Aloha, everyone, and welcome to the Hawaii Shoots podcast called How Do You Shoot That? The show that talks about everything filmmaking and photography here in Hawaii. Today, I am with my awesome co-host, Jen. Hi, guys. Today, we're talking about the not-so-fun topic of budgeting. Super duper important. It's probably one of the questions that I get asked most by both clients and people just getting into the industry, even veterans in the industry. How do we budget for projects? Budgets, it's about money. Yes. One of the most private, intimate details of any person's career or life. Yes. It's something that people try to hold really tightly. Nobody wants to talk about, oh, I made this much money on this project. It, sometimes it can feel like boasting. Sometimes it can feel like humble bragging or, mm-hmm. or sometimes even complaining. Mm-hmm. So nobody really likes to talk about it. But I kind of want to get into it because people have so many questions about it. Like, how do you get started charging a client? Um, because you get into that whole business battle of, like, trying to get the most out of them uh, while not belittling your own talent and, and going too low. So it's like this whole juggling thing of how do we make money as professionals? It's almost like the negotiation, the art of the negotiation, right? Because you don't want to be too high. And then I'll be like, sorry, I don't even want to consider you. Like, sorry, company A, like you're never going to be considered because I just know you're way too expensive. But I also think if you're the opposite where you're like, okay, I'm just going to give because I want to get the business. I got to at least get some jobs to pay for whatever. You can also undersell yourself because if you tell me I'm at rate A, I'm going to expect rate A all the time. An example is like a friend of mine, she started cutting hair and she charges me a certain rate. And I expect that rate all the time. Um, She does realize that there's value in that because then I'll refer her to people, but then they're going to expect the same rate that I get. So it is really tricky because it's like, how do you not undersell yourself but not be too expensive and get that sweet spot where both people are happy? So let's just throw out some numbers. I obviously can't uh, share about specific clients or specific projects, but generally speaking, there's been a going rate around town that people will charge about $1,000 per finished minute of video. Can you explain what that means for people like me that don't know what that means? <laughs> so people will come to me or somebody else and say, okay, I have a video project and this video needs to be three minutes long. I've heard that it's about $1,000 per finished minute. That means this video should cost me about $3,000. Or if this video is five minutes, it's gonna be $5,000. So they quantify how much they should pay based on how long the duration of the video is. And that's been a common kind of uh, a way of thinking about video, either just like in a premature kind of gauging how much money this thing is gonna actually cost me, you know, stage, versus actually going out to a production company and seeing what they would forecast for this project. I think people have gotten away with that for a long time based on the type of video that they're looking for. So if it's a basic talking head thing with a little bit of B-roll, a lot of people have gone down that route. And I've even had people approach me and say, this is the kind of going rate. Is this about what you would expect? My first answer is always no. Like there is no commoditized price for the services we sell. Unfortunately, everything we do is crafted specifically for a project. So we can't really give you a price until we know what we're shooting. I feel like that's a lot of like service-based things, like anywhere from like not just video, but like an artist. Yeah, and, and the reality is 
every project is different. It requires different skill sets, different camera types, different personnel. And so to just say a video costs X based on a duration, um, you know, a 30 second commercial for the Super Bowl can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars for that production versus a five minute, you know, short piece that's literally just a talking head on camera that doesn't have very much production value. So basing it on duration is usually an inaccurate way to determine how much something ought to cost. Same thing, we always go back to like the car analogy, like a car should cost you X. You know, if it's a Lamborghini versus a Hyundai whatever accent, they're, they're different types of vehicles for different types of audiences. So they're not gonna have the same cost, even though they both get you from point A to point B. So in a similar way, not all video is created equally. One of the industries that has given us certain parameters to budgeting video products is actually the wedding industry. Because what they do is they come up with a package, like you get one shooter or two shooters or three shooters for X amount of time for this day. So they commoditize it. They, yeah, they turn it into a product that's resellable, repackageable for their industry. You know, brides and grooms can figure out a budget and they can, they can say, okay, I'm gonna look at this video and this video and this video company and I want a video like this, so it's gonna cost me this much. However, that doesn't quite translate to the commercial industry. Agreed. Where it's not just a service, but there is a, a different skill set than, than just kind of reproducing something that they've reproduced before. Well, I think also, like, if you think about it, like the people who are asking for videos, if a business is asking for your work or your creative work, for the most part, it comes down to the bottom line. And your accountant, who doesn't care about creative or doesn't understand creative, is gonna be like, I don't understand. How come we can't just go with X, like another company that might be super cheap? So I agree that you know when it comes to video that's not wedding industry related, it can be very challenging because there's such a range. It's like people can only afford X, but also people want a certain type of quality. You know, when we are tasked with like, say a campaign, and we need to hire a vendor, regardless video or whatever, it, it's always looking at what do we have for the year. And a lot of times budgets are planned out the year prior. Even if I wanna do, like if we come up with an idea off of a cuff, it's really hard, I think, to find funds in order to do this particular campaign because the campaign is very, you know, multifaceted. It's, you know, the social media ads, it's the website, you know, it's the graphics and then video on top of that. and like. A lot of times we have to consider a lot of things. You know, if we do hire somebody like say a Brad, you know, it's like, okay, Brad, I'm gonna pay you this and I need to do all this work with this small amount that we have. Or sometimes, you know, we might have more and then we can do more, but it always is kind of predetermined. So I would say for people who are in the video industry looking for work, just know that you thinking ahead for your clients will help your client plan for their future and have budget for you for future work. So, so Brad, as somebody that is coming from a corporate company, I want to understand how do you guys build your budget, you know, because we, we always try to plan ahead and we try to keep within budget as much as possible. But for somebody that's creative, I know that there's things that are, you know, out of cost or things that you can't always predict. So can you just tell me a little bit more about how you structure your budget? So we have three basic parts of our budget. We have pre-production, we have production, and post-production. So pre-production is everything that comes before we hit record. 
So that's permitting, that's producing, like finding locations, that's, that's finding talent and wardrobe, food, and all of those other things that get built into the day of production. So we're building one big event that production day. With that, there's also rental costs. So any gear that we need to rent, any lenses, any batteries, any media, all of that stuff gets built into the production budget. The day of the production, we have all of the personnel, lighting, camera, sound, talent, makeup, stylist, producer, director, like these personnel are, are what build up the actual production budget for the day or days that we need to shoot the project. So some days are built of like one or two man crews, others are built of 20 personnel crews. And de depending on the actual creative, will determine how big a production team we need. Often people think that, you know, 30 seconds of a commercial should be like a small crew because we figure like, oh, it should be a small production. Oftentimes when we have limited stuff to shoot, we need everything to be even that much tighter. Mm -hmm. We only have a few, you know, hours to actually get this thing. So every shot has to be perfect. So we need more personnel to make sure that those limited hours are utilized best. After production, we have post-production. How long is this edit gonna take? How many rounds of revisions are our clients going to expect? Are, are we gonna need to do voiceover? Do we need to create brand new soundtrack? Or will we be able to use stock music or stock visuals of any type? Do we need to buy any fonts? All of these things kind of go into the post-production category, anything that comes after the shoot. So all of these, these numbers get jumbled into one estimate, and, and that's kind of how we build our basic budget. On top of that, there's insurance costs and location fees, and if we need like medics or if we need water personnel, anytime you shoot in the water, you need like a water safety crew. All of these things get embedded into this estimate and from there, we can send it off to client and say, okay, is this in line with what you have for your budget? If you need to clear out roads, you need like cops. One of the big productions was blocking an entire freeway and you have to go all the way around the island just to get to your, your destination. Like that's the kind of thing that gets built into the production costs. Wow, like that whole laundry list that you just said, like you're right, it does depend on like what type of project and the scale, like the cops and making sure that they're paid and things you talk about food and water and all those other things. It's like, those are things that we all have to consider and that's interesting. But how do you charge for like the creative idea even? Like, I mean, cause that in itself, like that's the art, right? That's, you have all these givens, like, okay, I can go out and call to find a permit. I can call a lighting person, whatever. But then like the actual idea, how do you quantify that? So some people hide that in like a percentage of the cost of their you know fixed costs mm -hmm. other people will put it down as a line item for production cost and then other people will actually put it into a category called creative so depending on how you want to itemize it on your list it has to definitely get input into that estimate so people know that there is a cost there is a value allocated to the idea and i feel like that's the one part that most people forget about you're not just paying for people to push buttons. You're paying for a, a very specific skill set and you're hiring a very particular production company or artist to be a part of this team or to develop this concept or tell this story. And that comes at a, at a cost. You know, if you've been doing this for 20 years, it's very different than the person who's been doing it for 20 days. 
I was going to ask that. I was going to say, like, how does it work? Because, like, an example is, like, my yoga teacher, um, shout out to Laura Mary. She's amazing. Um, you know, she can charge a certain rate for a private class. And I don't dare to ever match that because I don't have that length of experience. I don't have, you know, a master's degree in public health and being able to know as much as she does. So to me, I take that into consideration when I'm pricing out things. Is that the same for video? It is and it isn't. Budgets are so fluid. And it's, it's tricky these days because I feel like clients have different types of budgets and the way things are structured is just so much different than they were like five years ago or definitely 20 years ago. Gear costs a lot less. Like before, gear costed thousands and thousands of dollars just to rent for the day, whereas now you can own your own camera and allocate that cost to your clients that they would typically you know, have to pay for a rental. And when it comes to actual skill set, that's the part, that's like the magic secret sauce that nobody can tell you your value. Like there are people who have been veterans in this industry in Hawaii for decades and a young, really creative director or cinematographer can charge that same premium if they're in the same demand as a guy who's been working for, for decades. But you still have to, to work up to that credibility, to work up to that pricing structure. Uh, but when a client feels like you're worth that much to them, that's when you can start kind of upping your your cost. I think the key word that you said though is credibility and I also think that value, you know, knowing your competitors, knowing, you know, not even not even competitors, but like, you know, who your peers are and I think a lot of times people are very secretive like you said. People don't want to share how much you get. But I think at the same time sharing can sometimes be a beneficial because sometimes you don't know if you're being ripped off like, oh, I didn't know that client that same client could pay me x, you know, or whatever. Do you have any advice, like, you know, my question is like, someone starting out in the business, videographers, cinematographers, or even in, just in the creative field, you know, how do we determine our own value and worth? Because you've talked a lot about things that are fixed prices, things that you can't change. But you know, when it comes down to that secret sauce of your value and worth, you know, how do you, how do you determine a job? You know, I know some, because you're an entrepreneur, you can pick and choose, but like, how do you know? You know, we, we get, business from different types of clients with all kinds of different budgets. And the beautiful thing about owning your own company is you get to charge whatever you want, high or low. You, you get to choose and determine. And I feel like this is the part where sometimes we forget. The relationship, the partnership has to be right on both ends. And it's, it's been nice to have clients who we fully believe in so that we can believe in the final product that we are able to deliver. When it comes to actual financial value and how we assess that for ourselves, that's, that's the amazing thing about being an entrepreneur. You can, you can assess it however you want. And some, some projects we, we can bill more as a creative director because there's actually more creative direction that we're doing. On others, we're just acting more as an operator for things that they've already directed or, or developed. Uh, so some of that stuff gets taken off our plate. So part of it is based on how much time and this is the invisible part, both to a client and to, to other competitors, to other colleagues. So they don't know how much time we actually put into every single project, whether that's at night when I'm thinking about the, the, night, the, you know, the next day and, and the project that's going to unfold, or the weeks in advance that we're developing the storyline and making sure that it aligns perfectly with their brand and their storyline. All of that stuff is the secret sauce that we bring that, that adds value to the product that we deliver. It's hard to value that in dollars. Would you say that's where relationships kind of come into play? 
it, it, it sometimes is a relationship that you want to develop. So you can take uh, certain projects because you know that, that that's a long-term relationship that you want to develop. We work a lot with Hawaiian Airlines because we, we believe in what they're, they're, they're doing for Hawaii. We believe in their messaging as the premier Hawaii carrier, but also because, because their customer service really exemplifies what I think Hawaii is really about. And so I love that we get to work with them on a regular basis. You know, I'm sure you've told me your story. You've shared the story with me about how you've been a creator, a storyteller from when you were a young child, right? So say if I'm in college, or maybe I'm in high school even, and I'm creating, but now I want to make money, you know? Like, I want to buy the red. I want to buy the fancy gear. How do I, do, how do I turn that? Like, how do I turn my you know, the favors instead of saying like, you know, hey friend that wants me to make all their skate videos. How do I turn that and be like, all right, it's gonna be X amount. How do you how do you make that jump? For me, the transition happened while I was working for a company. So I would say if you're interested in a creative industry, if you're interested in becoming a filmmaker, sometimes it's best to go work for other people who are actually doing it. Um, rather than just like going out and starting your own business and becoming, co becoming a competitor with people who have been doing it for decades, go and learn how people are doing it. And we've talked about interning a ton, and I believe that that's still a huge part of the growth process for a lot of people. But go work for an agency. Go work for another production company so that you can find what they do well and learn how you can do it well for your own clients as well. It's, it's hard to actually start to get paying clients without having commercial clients under your belt. So when you've worked for other commercial clients, even as an assistant or on somebody else's crew, they start to recognize you, they start to see your face, and then they start to, to see you as a potential option. I didn't start getting work in Hawaii until I worked for an agency. And it was through the agency that I actually start to build relationships with other potential clients, other potential colleagues. And that's how I developed a business. I've actually told this to a bunch of my interns and a bunch of our, our staff here. Go on Instagram and find a business that you love. See what they're doing and, and ask them if they'd be willing to work on a project with you pro bono. When you work on a project with somebody who you don't know, they're not a friend, they're not like a, a favor-seeking person, you, you start to view them as a client. You can build that relationship without the barrier of money. You get to be as creative as you possibly can. You get to build a product and start to work on your relationship building skills. You get to talk about what they expect, you know, client expectations. You get to develop language and professional um, demeanor. And at the end, you provide a product that they will then use for their, their brand. And that's way more, way more valuable than money. If it's $500 or $5,000, like that, the experience that you'll get in that process is, is far more, will bring you far more value in the long run than, than a small fee up front. And, and the more of those you can do, the bigger and deeper your, your demo reel gets. And when you do that, you're starting to build off of your filmmaking abilities. Because when you don't, when you don't charge anything, you actually get more creative freedom because you're providing them a service for free. And then you get to develop your own skill set, your own cinematography style. You get, to, you get to build upon your aesthetic. As soon as somebody pays you for a service, you're building a product for them. The, the control is a little bit more in your court in the creative 
aspect, which is where you want it to be when you're first starting out. So you can develop your own language, your own skill set. As, as you get better, then you can start building a, a portfolio of things that you can show to future clients. This is what I can do for you. And you build a brand of, of your own work rather than um, small projects like little interview things or little event things that you're just kind of helping somebody out with. So if you, find, if you find somebody that needs video, tell them what you can do for them, build some amazing content. That's the way that I usually tell people to kind of start to get their foot in the door in this industry. From there, you can, you can build a client roster. I think that's really, really great advice. I mean, when you talk about making sure you intern, work for someone else, doesn't matter how creative you are, you're gonna, everybody always has to start somewhere. And I think that when you start working for somebody, like you said, you get to be able to see all the goods and the bads and you get to play with all the equipment without having to buy all the equipment. And I think this is kind of like life advice, not even just camera advice or video advice. It's like working for somebody really gets to show you what the leadership looks like. It looks, and, and how they do their budget. You know, you can see, this person, you know, doesn't really charge enough because, you know, they're they're eating it somewhere else. Or perhaps maybe they find value doing it, so they're okay with, you know, giving up X, Y, and Z. Um, and lastly, I really think that, you know, like you said, when you don't charge for things, it's like a passion project. It's like you get a lot of value. I know for myself, um, you know, I teach some clients and I, I do it pro bono because I find a lot of joy in teaching. That's why I do it. I mean, I don't teach full time but I teach because of the love of teaching and I have a lot of creative freedom. If you pay me, I have to do something where you're expecting X result. You know, of course we all wanna be relaxed in yoga, but I think that it's cool because I can do whatever I want, kind of like for a video. You know, you guys are creators. You can, you can say, all right, we're gonna have this crazy thing and your client might be like, eek, but at the same time, they're gonna appreciate it because you're thinking outside the box. You're getting to be as creative as you want. And that's where our Made Fresh series started. Oh, which, cool. We, we just wanted to have a, a, a fun space to explore creative things that we wouldn't necessarily explore with client work, right? We get to try out new techniques, new camera styles, uh, new lighting techniques, and all of these things. Obviously, we couldn't do on a client's dime necessarily, but we take those same skills and bring them into the commercial world. And, and because of that, uh, I feel like our commercial work has gotten a lot better because of that exploration process. And I feel like even this whole notion of working with other brands, other businesses will teach you tons and help you to create stuff you're really passionate about. I think something too, like, you know, when we talk about budget, we talk about how things cost and those are like the, the hard realities, I guess, of life when it comes to doing business. But I think that one thing you said just now about just having space to create and really hone your skills to be better is not only, you know, some people might be like, it's a waste of time for me to do something for free, but it's like, really it's not because it's coming to your benefit. It gives you more content to post on all your different social media things. Um, but also it helps you to be better at what you do, you know, and clients will see that and be like, wow, you're doing all this really cool different work. Maybe they don't see it in your major reel, but like you said, if they're trolling on your YouTube page, they'll be like, oh, I want my video like that, or I want something like this. And it's, fresh and new and different. I think that in everybody's field nowadays, how fast the world is working, you have to be on your A game. You have to always be thinking differently, creatively, and 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 that's how you can, I think, leverage and get paid more because your value is there. You know, you you it's like a very symbiotic relationship when it comes to client vendor, you know, um, 
for myself, I like coming to you, Brad, because I think that we have a strong client relationship and it's like you have this added value. You know, it's not just I'm shooting a video for a company, but rather, you know, you might come up with like an idea and be like, hey, Jen, you know, have you thought about this angle? Because you're thinking like that for us, it like makes me realize you value us as much as we value you. And that's really important. And I, I really do feel like that's the primary key missing ingredient when you're just doing production, when you're just doing video, and it just becomes a, a piece that you sell. Uh, when you think of a brand as a partner, when you think of their their personal inclinations, their their brand standards, all, all of these guidelines that they hold valuable, it helps you to create a better video, and it helps you to create a, a more meaningful relationship with them. And at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're people exchanging ideas. And we need to make sure that all of those things that you hold valuable are things that I hold valuable. So I want to make a little comment here. It's almost like a relationship, like dating. Like if you've ever gone on a terrible date and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's energy is horrible. Like... You don't have to finish and, and marry the guy, you know, or girl or whatever. You know, you can say it was really nice meeting with you, whatever, and, and, and so on. And I think kind of like in what you guys do, because it's not just about the creative. It's not just about the dollars. But I think it's that exchange of energy of making sure that, like, it's the right fit. Because if you're passionate and the, the vendor, you know, really appreciates you, you guys are going to go a lot further and longer, like you mentioned in some of the content saying about Hawaiian. I think, like... A lot of times people, when they first start out, they'll be like, I'll just do anything to get in. But then, like, is that really the type of person that you want to be? Is that the type of, is that how you want to brand yourself, you know? If you're really a creative thinker and somebody sees you doing, like, a commercial or a, a video of something that might not be matching your personality or style, it'll be like, huh, that's an okay video. But people will see through that and be like, you're just doing anything to get in and it's not really who you are. And I think that's where the ad agency or marketing firm or PR firm has usually kind of been the, the nice middleman between production and client. Like they held all of those values, all of those core brand values for a company while production just kind of like churned out content for as many clients as possible. Like the doers. Yeah. And, and that's kind of been it for decades. Production was, was the worker ants and the agency was typically the, the keeper of all of that stuff, protecting the integrity of the company, the brand, and all of that. And then the client would kind of reap the benefits of both of those. Now, as production companies are kind of being tasked with some of the agency roles, if a client's no longer working with an agency or can't afford one, they still need to keep those things in mind. I think a lot of people just don't realize that, that you have all of this expectation uh, or responsibility kind of embedded in your task that you, you may or may not realize when you're taking on a project. So I just want to stop this right here and just kind of highlight or reiterate with Brad what he said because, you know, our world is ever-changing and one of the things that people have to realize is there's that responsibility of keeping that integrity of the business and just because they don't have an agency doesn't mean they're not looking to you as the experts. You know, you guys are all storytellers, you know, for people that are creating. It's like help this person not just with the video but with the brand, their vision. You know, I... This has become more and more apparent over the last like three to five years is that this disconnect between client and production company ha has gotten bigger. But what, what I've seen is that a lot of clients will come to us and say, okay, uh, we have this example of a video that, ha that we really like. We want to create something similar. 
and we have $10,000 or we have $3,000 or we have $40,000 for this project. What can you do for us? Initially, before what, what I would do maybe like 10 years ago would be to bust out a storyboard and, and build a narrative and say, okay, let's tell this story about your company. And, and what I realized over the last five years is people don't realize that these videos need to have results. Like I said, production companies were just given the task of producing the content before. And the agency would figure out the media portion, like how this thing was going to get distributed. And, and what we've done is tried to take some of that burden off of our client. So recently what, what we do is before we even say, okay, here's an idea for a video. We say, okay, what is your goal? Is your goal views? Is your goal like brand equity? Like, do you want people to just know who you are uh, and visibility? Is it to actually get you to click a button? so you can go take a survey? Or like, what is your end goal with this thing? Let's work towards that versus let's make a video that looks like this. So when we start to think of video as much more strategic uh, to meet a client's end goals, we can help them get there a lot better. And then budget becomes like a secondary or tertiary conversation because when you can solve their problem, they'll find the money to, to execute that. And obviously, you know, a company that's got $5,000 can't find 50, but you can help them find a solution to their problem. And sometimes that isn't a $50,000 video. A lot, of, a lot of parents know the struggle of getting their kids braces. Mm -hmm. And they can't pay for braces out of pocket, like it's going to cost like six grand yeah. or 10 grand or whatever it is. But because they value their kid, they'll find a way to get the money. And they'll pay for it in monthly increments or whatever it is. And, and brands are the same way. They're very protective of their company, their brand, everything they've built, whether they're 10 days in or 10 decades in. And so if you can help them build that, uh, whether that's on Facebook or Snapchat or broadcast or newsprint, they'll find a way. They'll find a way to, to help you do what you need to do to execute that. The more we get better at that, the more our relationships with clients build, the trust is there because we, they know we're taking care of them at, at a very core level yep. in ways that they might not even have seen yep. when they first brought this project to you. And we've seen that happen with all of our clients over the last you know, few years. And that's becoming more and more apparent as people need more content. Not, not just one commercial that lasts you for, for a whole year, but like 30 videos that last you an entire year so building that relationship I think is huge I love that that's great like you said it's totally evolved you know before people were doers people had very singular task type jobs you are the fax machine person that's going to fax this you are going to be the microphone boom holder but all those people in the industry I, I feel like it's not just knowing that one specialty but knowing and understanding more and again creating value and what you just said right there was just a huge, like that's the key. As you build relationships with clients, loyalty develops as well. And we've had clients that have gone from one company and three, three later, they're still calling you for projects. And I think that happens as you become more of a solutions company rather than just a project-based company. I think also a big part of what you just 
you know, to reiterate, recap or whatever, is like, you know, following your gut, like feeling, you know, if you feel good about that client, if you feel like, you know, this is a good fit, then it's probably a good fit. But if you're just there to chase that dollar, that is going to be a very short investment in not only yourself, but the client as well. They're not going to get the full value of what someone else could possibly offer, you know, and, and not every, you don't have to say yes to everything. Because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you can make choices to help and it needs to be a mutual benefit. For sure. If there's one practical takeaway that I like to share with a lot of young filmmakers and entrepreneurs, it's go out there and experiment with everything and learn everything. Um, do some playing around with social media. Uh, learn about Facebook algorithms and Instagram al algorithms and, and Twitter um, experiences. Understand how Snapchat works so that you can actually be there for your clients, like be, be in those places who don't necessarily understand those platforms as well as you will, and how your product will work on those platforms. How, like what kind of video actually performs well on Facebook? What kind of video performs well on YouTube? Because they're so different. Uh, and, and the more you can consult in that part, uh, the more value you're adding to them, the, I think the, the better the results will be in that, in that client engagement. The client is looking for you as the expert. Like for me, when I've worked with you, Brad, I know that I'm a social media marketing professional. I know what content will look good, but I can't necessarily create it. But what I love about your what you bring to the table is you will be like, you know, that those are great ideas, Jen, but how about we put this other layer on and that like, think about this way, like from this different perspective, you know, and your guidance has really helped us kind of drive what we put together, you know. Um, we see you not just as a vendor that we pay, but rather like a partnership. And I think that giving that advice of, you know, really not just knowing video and being creative and putting something beautiful together, but the knowledge of other things of where it's going and how people are consuming it is, is your job too. Because your videos is only going to be as successful as the person who watches it. There's some videos that are homemade that like, get a lot of hits and lots of people love it because it's very relatable. But then you have some people that spend how much money on the Super Bowl commercials and no one remembers it and no one cares, you know, and that's really sad for the, the ad agency and all those other big names. But, you know, I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's really about thinking of things holistically. That's what I've been trying to say. So budget is important. You should know your budget. You should, I think, oh, having certain things are givens, but also understanding your value and balancing those two. That's one of those things I feel like you're, you're developing throughout your entire career is your, your personal value, what you, what you bring to a project. And assessing that in dollars, I mean, it, it, it can be kind of arbitrary, especially in the beginning. But as you, as you develop as, as a creator, as, as somebody who is respected in the industry, it's nice that you can actually adjust that based on project type. And we've seen that as well, doing work with nonprofits, doing things pro bono, doing work with really high-end commercial clients. It's, it's really weird sharing information about dollars and cents because people want to hear it, but people don't want to share it. It's just very taboo. People yeah. don't like to talk about money. People don't like to talk about, especially people don't like asking for the money. And I think part of it is if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you don't think that you're worth it, like you think, oh, I'll just, I'll give, you know, 500 bucks, I'll just take that. And that's all you're going to be getting. And you might be resentful and then... That's not a good relationship. Yeah. I like how Chase Jarvis says it. He, he says he says the $500 vendor will never become the $50,000 vendor. 
because once a client views you at this level, they will never view you at this level. They'll always call somebody else for this type of work. Yeah. And and that's that's been the truth. Like if if you're the low budget guy, you will forever be the low budget guy or girl in in an industry. And it's hard to break out of that that particular mode. And if you're okay with that, guys, it's totally fine. Everybody there's always, you know, everybody has a role. But I think that if you have a specific, you know, passion for a certain type of video, then that's what you got to know and get your value for. Yeah. And and there's nothing wrong with doing budget projects. I mean, we still do some projects purely because we believe in the brand. We want to see a person succeed. We know that they don't have the budget. And, and that's the thing. We get to bless people that we want to. So I think three key takeaways are, one, just knowing your fixed costs, knowing what it's going to cost you as an operator to actually produce this thing. Um, whether it's personnel or gear or locations or permits or whatever whatever those costs are, you got to know what those are, and you got to add them to your estimate. You got to add them to your budget. The secondly, is building relationships. Relationships are key in anything that you do, but specifically in in, in video production, uh, where people are trusting you with their brand, they're they're trusting you with this thing that they've built over over decades, and, and this leads to number three, which is adding value, being being a, a problem solver rather than just a service provider. You're not just giving them a video that you've completed, but you're you're helping them solve this problem of brand identity or market awareness or um, booking a hotel room or whatever that is. Uh, the more you're able to, to, to bring solutions to, to problems that they have, I think the more they'll value your work and the more they'll value you as a creative, as an operator, as a as an entrepreneur so you know brad i think that you know those three things that you talked about it's not just like stuff for video but it's like life advice i mean if you don't think about your budget as a whole as a person i mean i'm telling you young people budgets are important they are never going to go away and even the people that have sugar mamas and sugar daddies still need to know what they're bringing in and what they're spending so that's one and then two, I love that you talk about relationships because, you know, as a yoga teacher, I always talk about th- saying like, you know, if you don't feel right doing it, it's probably not right for you. And things that are supposed to happen, you know, when you're bidding for a client and say you come under or whatever, it's all a learning experience. So you're going to, when you meet that right client and when you meet that right person, it'll be a fit. And again, that's also in life. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, we're on iTunes and Google Play. If you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and and we'd love to connect with you there. Hit us up, and we would love to hear from you soon. 